In episode 3.3 of Unshuffled, we discuss Gojira's highly acclaimed third album, From Mars to Sirius. But first, here's our awesome intro music from Seven Planets. You speak whale or not? Oh, that was amazing. <laughs> Answer me. <laughs> if hey, if this album cover had been dogs in heat, it could have also worked. <laughs> if Finding Nemo taught me one thing, it's how to speak whale. Uh, that was good stuff right there. Is this it? Is this is this as good as it gets? Is this the is this the pinnacle? of our listening experience on this album. I mean, I'm going to lay it all out there. I'm wearing it all on the sleeve. Is Gee, you've this, gone hard early here. Is this as good as it gets? Is it all just downhill from here? Should we have saved this album for episode 75 or, I don't know, should this have been Possibly. the centennial episode? Possibly. I mean, according to the critics, this is the this is as good, get, as, good as it gets for this band, at least. All right. Um, whether or not that's true, we don't know yet, which is part of the excitement. Um, I'm going to just hold back on my is it as good as it gets call to the end, but uh, you obviously think so. I am, like, I was ready to continue to kick this recording down the line for another couple weeks because I'm not ready to part ways with this album yet. Oh, every, sorry. Every, no, 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 no. It was time to do it. It was time to wrap it up. It's time to move on to the next album. Every single time I listen to it, it's just, there's another, it's another song where I'm just like, oh, wait, oh, that's the song. That's the song right there. Like I have my constant. I know what my, I mean, when we get to the, the favorite track, I'm, that's been the same since we started, but there's always that close second. And that one changes every single time I listen. I cannot get enough of this album. Yeah, it's a, it's a very good album, no doubt. Uh, the album we're talking about, listeners, is From Mars to Sirius. The band, of course, is Gojira. If you haven't listened to their first two albums yet, uh, we've covered those already, and you should go and listen to those. Before you listen to this one, just to give you a little bit more context, um, we are, of course, unshuffled, and we're all about intentional listening here. So we are following um, band by band, album by album, song by song and trying to just change the way we listen to music, sort of bring it back to the way we used to, you know. Um, so that's what we're doing. And uh, the album today is widely recognised, and I think justifi justifiably so, as a modern metal classic. And if you haven't guessed already, we're probably going to be very positive about it. So... Um, Settle in. If you haven't listened to the album yet, though, please don't uh, listen any further to us. Go and listen to it. You can download it from Bandcamp. Um, it's a big album. You'd probably find it in most decent record stores 
uh, anyway, but um, you can download it straight away. So you should go and do that. And um, once you've given it a few listens and let it settle, then um, settle in and listen to us talk about it and join in the conversation if you like. We'll give you our contact details later on if you want to add anything to what we say today. But uh, hi, Scott. And um, yeah, I can't wait to get stuck into this. But first, how are you going? I'm good. Hey, Matt. How are you? All's, all's well yeah, here. Good. We're just, uh, we had the, everybody here and, in Jakarta land, um, we had our, our, our break and, and folks sort of scattered off to other islands. We're not allowed to leave the country, but kept it in-house. And so... Um, People are traveling? <laughs> yeah, see, so I'm, I'm finding myself... I remember talking to you early on back when, when I was in the U.S. and you were here in Jakarta and you were sort of expressed kind of some, some of the nerves of the folks coming back and, and, and what sort of COVIDness they were going to bring back with them. I'm having that, I'm having that feeling as everybody's going to be pouring back in tomorrow. Oh, come on. There's but, a time to travel. I just don't think now's the time. But anyway, yeah. that's, that's their decision, I suppose. The, the problem yeah. I have with it is that um, it puts others at risk too. But anyway. Right. But anyway. Mask on and stay we, inside. We are. Our uh, our big news this week is that we're trying to um, body train our two year old. Oh, <laughs> and that has been <laughs> that has been a disaster. <laughs> so, well, we'll, you know. we'll see who breaks first. Her uh... <laughs> short term pain for long term gain. I mean, once right. you get the second one done, then you're home and hose, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I, but I figure they all figure it out eventually, right? Yeah. I mean, I thought the second one was supposed to be easier because they sort mm, of yeah, model see, what the the older one does. You, you'd think so, but this one's a little bit more strong-willed than the older <laughs> one. So, uh. <laughs> like a wild brumby. Uh, she's holding out. She's holding out. Mm. How about you? What? Talk to me. What's what's uh, what, your story? Is how have things been? Yeah, good. Italy is uh, just lovely. Beautiful autumn day here today. <laughs> Um, yeah, we're into a routine. We're in our new apartment. I'm feeling very European. I've got a bicycle with a seat on the back. I ride my son to school every morning, drop him off, pick him up in the afternoon. The teacher says things to me in Italian. I spend the rest of the, I spend the ride home trying to work out what she just said to me. <laughs> but yeah, we're eating well. We're just loving life. I mean, it, life's good when you don't, when you're not working. I'm, I've got to say. If you're in a financially um, acceptable position, uh, I think I believe they call it being a flaneur, which is just sort of observing, just thinking, reading. That's kind of what I'm doing this year, which is great. Sounds amazing. It's heavenly, and listening to Gojira. <laughs> hmm. Well, so that brings us to that. I've seen several. Uh, best albums of the 2000s or best albums since the year 2000 on you know various metal sites and this album I think has been in all of them uh, from Mars to Sirius so it's you know we're not stumbling on some some new thing here let's put it that way no so I believe in the last episode much of my listening is now being done at work yep. which is where I'm having to spend most of my time Mm. And, I, and I believe I mentioned in the last episode those speakers that a colleague let yeah. me borrow and they're amazing. 
and the Harmon Cardin Cardins. And so, yeah. And so I listened and I uh, was listening to this on that. And as I was listening to it, I was maybe track three. I, I had this realization where all of a sudden it was just like, the, hey, I'm having two thoughts here. One, I'm embarrassed that I've never before heard this album. That was my first yeah, thought. Me too. My me second too. thought, this is clearly going to be one of these albums that just stays with me forever. And now, right now I'm just going to sit back and I'm just going to enjoy listening to this album for the first time ever. Yeah. Or you know how like when you, you read that book or, or, or you hear that album and it's like, oh, I wish I hadn't read that or I hadn't heard that. I want to go back and hear that again with fresh ears. And it was just yeah. that by track two or three, I realized that this was that moment and just kind of yeah. settle in and enjoy it. Yeah. And I did. Yeah, I agree. It's uh, It's been a very pleasurable few weeks, three weeks since the last podcast. My listening's mainly been done as well as at night. Uh, during the, my daytime listening's been done. Uh, so after lunch, I'll take our eight-year-old, uh, eight-month-old daughter and put her in the pram and try to convince everyone that the only way she'll sleep is if I put her in the pram and walk around the streets of Bologna which conveniently means I get to listen to Gojira for an hour and a half. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's been my listening, sort of walking through the streets of Bologna, through the, what do they call them, Portici, the sort of um, the arched uh, streets. And, you know, you walk past some 400-year-old statue or work of art on the wall while you're listening to Gojira. It's been a very nice setting, actually. Stop off for a coffee, you know, standing up. Two seconds, you're done. Keep <laughs> right. going. Little shot of coffee. <laughs> yeah. yeah. As I said, very European. Um. All right. Well, so let me jump into the stats for this one. Yeah, give me the album details. Right. The band, so, the lineup hasn't changed, right? No, not at all. I don't think the lineup changes. I think this yeah, is locked in. Yeah. Um. So this one came out August twenty second of two thousand six. This is uh three years after um. After the since the last album, so it sounds it looks 2003 was the link, 2006 is from Mars to Sirius. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think this is the one where they're finally on there. I didn't write this down, I probably should have. Uh, they're now locked in with their record label, right? The first two albums were kind of on sort of independent labels. I think this one they're locked in on the record label. This is the one that they're still with today. Um, this one was recorded again in France. The Studio de Milan's, and yeah, lineup is lineup's the same. Joe Duplantier on vocals, uh, Christian Andrew on guitar, Jean-Michel Lavadie on bass, and Mario Duplantier on drums. And Joe on the rhythm guitar as well. Oh, sorry, yes, and Joe on rhythm guitar as well. Um, yeah. And then it, it seems like they they consistently have done all their own production work and that that has continued here as well and then they have the one and i didn't write his name down either they do have a fellow that does most of the mixing yeah uh lawrence um it's mindy or something yep yeah. same guy actually yep mm-hmm. so yeah um we've just we're kind of you know it's the same everything has uh has stayed the same we've just gotten older wiser and jesus so much better at the i mean just mm. the song craft the song yeah. craft the whole thing yeah. the whole thing it just the way it all it all just fits together yeah 
Yeah. It was, it was what, whatever was done in those three years between the link and this one was, it was three years well spent. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, from the very first album, they've shown what a great technical band they are. But yeah, you're right. The, the leap has come in the songwriting and their ability to sort of tie a song together, I think, is vastly improved from the last album. So each song is, and, we, and we'll talk about each song in turn, but I feel like each song now has more threads that they sort of pull together um, throughout the song rather than just a somewhat disjointed, uh, the somewhat disjointed nature of the songs on the first two albums. Here we get complete songs, I feel. Right, right. Uh, the album artwork, have you got anything on that? It, again, it was uh, Joe Duplantier. It seems like, so this this is, for all intents and purposes, this is a concept album. Um, this artwork seems to reflect that. Uh, yeah. I, I not, I've gone through and tried to put the story together. I think I have a general idea, but mm -hmm. um, I, I'm, I'm assuming we've got Mars and Sirius and then and then we've got the whales. Yeah. So, I mean, that cover, is that supposed to be Mars or is that supposed to be Sirius or we well, just I, don't know? Because Yeah, I don't know which one is in the forefront. <laughs> like, I'm assuming... I hope, like, I, I hope it's not supposed to be Mars because if that's the one of the moons of Mars, then they've drawn that badly. And it, um, Mars's moons are more like misshapen potatoes. That's a perfect sphere, so... I don't know what planet that, that's supposed to be on the front cover there. See, I was thinking it was, um, yeah, I guess I don't know the answer to that. Yeah. Now, I must say, are you familiar with the work of Douglas Adams? Yeah, I am. In fact, I'll be teaching Hitchhiker's Guide this year. Are you serious? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, great. I didn't yeah. realize that had made, it way in, had made its way into the IB curriculum. I'm teaching a sci-fi class. Great for for yeah 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 for and so I'll be I'm gonna I'm, I'm bringing that one in. Okay, because the first thing that struck me, seeing the whale, the vision of the whale in the sky. I don't have the um, physical copy for this one, but seeing the artwork, I just thought I've seen this before. This is uh, Hitchhiker's Guide, the whale and the bowl of petunias. Um, I'll I'll put a link to. Um, you know, anyone who's read the book or seen or listened to the radio series or seen one of the adaptations of it would know that image. Whether that had just escaped these guys because they, they're French, I don't know if Douglas Adams was big in France. He may have been. Um, but to me, that was the first thing. I was like, hang on, you know, <laughs> this is not a new image to me. Uh, it was Douglas Adams said uh, that... Um, a whale sort of hanging in space in, in that classic English dry humour said this is not a naturally tenable position for a whale. I, okay, so that's fascinating. I did not make that connection. The thing is, is but it, it's interesting. I wonder if because of the fact that they do, I mean, if we listen to the last two albums, they very much seem to be into science fiction, right? There yeah. is that sci-fi thread. Um, so I think it stands to reason that that, that's that absolutely could have been. Who knows? Who knows? I didn't. Um, I I never made that. I didn't make that that link. 
I mean, it wasn't a big part of the book, but there was just that one scene. Because every time they activated the drive of the spaceship, something incredibly improbable happened. Right. It was an improbability drive. So right. on one occasion, they, they turned on the, the engine and a whale appeared just sort of floating in space and then had this sort of philosophical conversation with itself as it was falling towards this planet and it ended badly for the whale. <laughs> But, yeah, it was just classic dry English humour. Um, there's a link to it in the show notes if you want to hear the full passage and see a cartoon representation of it. Very funny. Huh. Yeah. But that was my first reaction when I saw the artwork was, hmm, hitchhikers, anyone? Yeah, that's funny. I will. Uh, I'm, I'm, I have to reread it again to, to prepare for the class. I'm definitely going to keep an eye out for it. Yeah. yeah. Well, so the, then, the, I guess there was a film too. It's in the film. Yeah, it's a it's a very well known image. So I'm surprised that it was that no one else that I've noticed in the reviews or anything has commented on it. Anyway. Well, the one one of the uh, one of the lyrics in in Ocean Planet, the very first song actually is "Whales in the Sky." I mean, we start right there with what's on the what's what's on the front cover, but also referring to. Yeah, and we get that whale song uh, motif recurring throughout the album, at least up until uh, Flying Whales. Mm -hmm. I don't think it reappears after that, but, uh, yeah, we get it a few times in the lead-up to that song. Uh, should we jump into the track by track? Let's do it. So, we're yeah, yeah. let's do it. So, so we're starting with number one, which is Ocean Planet. Um, this, this seems to be the start of, of the story. Yeah, whatever that story is, but we're getting the whale sounds, uh, a lot of pinch harmonics again. Yep. Um, this is again. I'm not. I'm not entirely sure where where the story is going, but it's this idea that. Um, oh, I'll get more into that later. But this one, as far as the, the construction of the song, it they they sure do for a five minute song. They jam in a lot of time changes. Yeah. Yeah, so we get that mid-tempo opening. It's a very uh, sort of, it's a tale of woe and despair. I mean, it, it, this is a generally a much more positive metal band than, than others, but it does start with, you know, I'm in a mental cage, I'm locked up. It's, it starts with a very negative, uh, lyrically, uh, opening. You're right, the, they lay the pinched harmonics on that, that squeal, uh, pretty thick from the word go. They weren't as evident on the link. They were much more evident on, on the first album, less so on the second album. But here, straight away, we get pinched harmonic laid on. Um, there's also another sound effect later that now I don't play guitar, so I don't. It sounds like running a, a pick along the strings or something mm -hmm. like that. I've called it neck squeaks because I have no idea what it is. But it's like a squeaky sound that um, occurs in this song and they use it a, a, a fair bit throughout as well as the pinched harmonic. Um, but, yeah, great mid-tempo opening, that sort of woe and despair. But then we get that um, traditional, I suppose, for this band, that more technical middle section. And But then it does become more positive towards the end. I'll never bow this again. And, and a huge finish, you know, the whales in the sky a bit. So... And again, like I mentioned it before, it links back to the opening riff, so it, it sort of um, completes the circle. 
and it doesn't it's not just one bit then another bit then another bit end of song it's one bit then another bit then another bit that kind of brings back the themes from the beginning of the song so i think it's a requiem for the ocean planet like it's a which i you know i assume is earth so it's a sort of sad tale about the demise of planet earth is, is my reading of the lyrics I, I think yeah that becomes more obvious as we get later on that they're definitely that earth is is the one that they're talking about and there's i, I feel like based on if you were does i mean if we are going that this is a concept album you could almost break it into like the chapters would be you know based on like these first I was just looking at some of the motifs that keep appearing and, and they sort of, they change. Like, so the first four songs you could, uh, or the first three songs, sorry, lyrically, you could sort of chunk together with this idea of, of just being trapped, um, being caged, be, this constant repetition of, of stone and walls. And, uh, and, and that really, that starts off here, this idea of imprisonment, um, mental cage, locked up, um veiled memories so yeah uh good good opening track though i absolutely yes uh, yes great oh this is this this is a great opening track mm. um okay so that moves us into backbone yeah now this just before you um or before we begin talking about it uh statistically this is their most played song live uh, they actually, and they played this at the gig I was at in Melbourne where I completely ignored them. So, you know, speaking of regrets, I mean, my behaviour at that gig, if I can ever build a time machine and maybe I'll devote the rest of my life to it, I'm, it's just going to be to go back to that gig in Melbourne in 2012 and slap myself and say, get down the front in the mosh pit and listen to this band and go home after that because Mastodon weren't that good. <laughs> good year. <laughs> It was where it was at that night, and I just, oh, you know, you look back with regret sometimes. That, that's one of them. But yeah, they played Backbone. They play it a lot live, and understandably, it's a really, it's a very rousing song. Well, so they they do that bit where they say, uh, I think they say, "Beat your feet on the ground." Uh, yeah, towards the end, and then they yell, "Now go!" And I, yeah. I, I do, I love when they when, when just bands in general. Gojira's done this a couple times, but other bands when, when the they shout "Go!" and then everybody just just like kicks it up into that wicked stomping riff, and and you can just see yeah. anybody with a necked instrument come out to the front and just get the head moving. And yeah. anyway, yeah, they, that would be the mosh pit. Uh, the mosh pit would erupt <laughs> at that point. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm sure. And and they, they they do that here, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is uh, this to me is a real call to arms in a very Gojira way. Indestructible is the first word of the song. It's about finding the strength within yourself. To me, and I'll just start to talk on this a little bit. Every metal band, I think, sort of makes the observation that there are some serious problems with the world. I don't think there's too many happy, love, love metal bands. And Gojira does the same. I mean, they sing about environmental destruction and other sort of global problems and as well as sort of philosophical problems. But the difference between this band and, say, a Pantera or a Slayer is how do you deal with that? How do you react with it? And to me... 
Gojira's response is, well, you have to look within yourself and you have to find... They talk about, you know, finding the warrior within yourself. But they're not saying just lash out and be violent. They're saying you have to deal with the problems of the world with strength and you have to look within yourself to find that. And it's not about inflicting pain on others or it's, and it's not about just sort of nihilism and, and um, giving up hope completely. It's about, be, you know, finding that strength, which I, I think that to me is Gojira's message and, and it's really resonated with me, I think. Um, and this song captures that very well, Backbone, you know, the idea that, yeah, life's tough, but you have to stand up and deal with it as best as you can. And, and this song captures it lyrically, but also musically. I mean, it's a very stirring song. Mm. And that, that idea that you were talking about really, I mean, that comes becomes more obvious and more revelatory in track 10. We can talk about that that there more. But you're absolutely mm. right about sort of just this, it's called action, but called action within yourself. And this is a song that, as you, I mean, you said, you said it best when you said it was stirring. It is, it is, it is moving. It is that I think they say straighten your backbone at some point. The strength of fire is running through me. The idea that I see at last my backbone straightened. This idea that you, it's in, it's in you. You have it in you to go do what mm. needs to be. Great song, and I can see why they play it live. This would be a fan favorite and a mo real mosh pit stirrer. Uh, we go from here into From the Sky and we get straight into it in this song with a big double bass kick, big opening riff and that sort of next squeak. I wish I, I had a better word for it. Those, the squeaking string stuff throughout the verses. There's, a, I, I really like, and, and yes, we get straight into it, but that, there's that breakdown at about four minutes in, um, right before the bridge, that... Uh, that I really like. And this is this is sort of that song. I think we're listening to it. This is this is the song. It was track three where I had that moment going, this album is 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 amazing. And I'm I'm realizing that now only three tracks in. And it was this song where I just sat and thought, there's been this huge jump in songwriting skills. And I really I, I saw it play out in this song, just the way that they even play with tempo, they play with rhythm, they play with mood, right? They're playing with all of those elements, not just on the instruments, but also lyrically, right? Every everything comes together in this song. Mm. Um, yeah, I really like the interplay between the vocals and the riff. It's a you know he's not just singing along with the rhythm of the riff, but the the two things really marry together nicely. So there's a really nice interplay there. Which, um, well, I guess I, if I can, I mean, move us into unicorn, which and, and, yeah. I want to say about this though is that it, this of their instrumentals this is above and this is my favorite instrumental of theirs i like um i like the whole again we bring back the whale sounds uh but it's out but like it points it's like the whale sounds are being played on the guitar oh i didn't pick that up there's, there's one moment where i i feel like they're I don't know. I need to go back and listen to it again. But it, it was a moment where I'm listening to the whale sounds and it's like, well, wait, the whale sounds, this doesn't sound sampled. This sounds different than the whale sounds I heard at the beginning. And, and it sounded like they were sort of maybe pick scratches. I'm not sure. Um, okay. But, but kind of using, I don't know. Because I think they did that with the bird song on the previous album. I think they actually made those sounds themselves too. So maybe they just like trying to recreate the sounds of nature. 
Yeah. I like the bird sounds I could see. I, I don't remember. I have to go back and listen to that too, but you could do that, just like bouncing the strings off the, the pickups. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a good little song, nice little respite, as you know, serves the same purpose as the instrumentals on the previous albums. Just gives us a break for, for a minute or two before we get into where dragons dwell. So this is is I guess my question is, is if we're keeping thematically, this the instrumental also seems to fit. It's almost like he has um I would say chapter one would be songs one, two, and three, or, and, and then four leads into whatever's happening next with mm -hmm. um, I think five, six, and seven. But I really, like, I really, I like tracks one through four, but five through 12, this is, if I don't have time to listen to the entire album, if, if, you know, I've only got a little bit here and there, I found that I would, where I would jump in is at track five. And this is where the thread of the story feels like all of a sudden now we've got this call to action, but, but also even just musically for, for whatever reason, five to 12 musically, all of a sudden that's where everything just felt more even experimental, I guess. Um, I don't know. This song in and of itself isn't one of my favorites. I, I do really like this song, uh, but it's, it's five to 12 all just fit together so well for me. I thought. Yeah, so Where Dragons Dwell, quite a slow song by their standards, a slow opening riff. See, when I first heard this, I thought, oh, yeah, this is a sort of standard Tolkien-esque dragon in a mountain sort of story. Mm. But it, it's actually much more interesting that, that it's a metaphor. It's talking about the dragon within us. So, again, a very Gojira message of, of strength within I'm not sure. I put a link on the show notes to a live version of this because uh, the song changes at the three minute 45 mark. The last three minutes is just basically just one riff with that sort of bone shaking double kick lying underneath it. But live, the live version of this is, I think, superior to the album version because all the instrument stops and it's just a vocal and, it, and it's very effective. So that sort of calling vocals he sounds like he's standing on the edge of a, a valley just yelling out and i think I, I would have liked to have heard that on the album version but yeah great song very interesting lyrically and that double kick doesn't doesn't let up the you know live it goes even longer you know he's got <laughs> as he's got many talents the drummer but stamina is is one of them like he, he can just hold that double kick for 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 minutes and minutes was we've not i haven't i haven't talked about the drumming and i know that that was all i the first two albums i, I talked at length about the drumming so if, if i can move into track six i just the the heaviest matter of the universe first off if you're gonna have this as the title of your song it, it's just it's gotta be heavy right and it, this this song just is brutal right it's just the onslaught that just the, the way that the drums and the guitar are playing together, but the rhythm breaks, things that what, whatever, again, the, the, the language I don't have to talk about, whatever it is Mario Duplantier is doing on the drums, it's all happening in this song. And it's just, there's the rhythm breaks, the, just the brutality of the whole thing. The hero seems to have broken free from whatever constraints, right? He's he's had on him, and 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 that seems to, you you get that feeling with the music too, where the the music is even just like rushing out, 
Yeah, I think like Backbone, I mean, this is up there in their most played songs. I think this is their third most played song live throughout their history, including at the Melbourne gig that I where I just ignored them. It, it is a very heavy song. It's another sort of mosh pit. I, I imagine the mosh pit would be going bananas when this song is being played. There's some neck squeaks in here again. <laughs> the last minute of this song is quite different to the super heavy rest of it, so it, it, it does end on a quite uplifting final section. is quite uplifting, but, yeah, overall it's, a, it's just a crushing, heavy, killer, killer song. Um, is there a different singer at some one point on this? I, I'm not sure if the vocalist change, switches at one point. but uh, Oh, yeah? At which point? Uh, oh, I don't know, two, sort of two-thirds of the way through. I've just made a note, different singer. I can't remember the moment. But next time you're listening, just, just have a listen and see if maybe there's a switch or maybe it's just a, a change in vocal style. I always thought the heaviest matter in the universe was the neutron star. I looked it up. That... Um, uh, fellow, what's his name? Neil deGrasse Tyson. Right. He, he captured it well. He says a neutron star, you could, if you could put a herd of 50 million elephants into the volume of a thimble, that would tell you how heavy uh, a neutron star is. So there you go. Maybe, maybe they're talking about neutron stars. I don't know. Fits in with the science fiction thing. <laughs> Do with that what you will, listeners. <laughs> I thought I mean, maybe they're referencing black holes here because I, I got a little bit of a interstellar, you know, that it's almost like he's trapped in a black hole at one point. But anyway, I don't know. Who, who knows? Who cares? It's just a heavy song and it, and it crushes. He does say the black hole is calling me. There you go. Well, maybe that's, that's it. Then he refers to a black dwarf. Isn't that type of well, star? Yeah, well, that might be the neutron star. I don't know. It, it sounds all. It all sounds very astronomical. It's a. It's oh, it's a theoretical stellar remnant. Hmm. I just I just googled that. The, the black dwarf. Uh-huh. It's a white dwarf that is cooled sufficiently and no longer emits significant heat or light. Okay. Hmm. So I think it's we don't actually know if that's a thing, but we think it's a thing. All right. Well, it's heavy, whatever it is, and, and this song is very heavy too. <laughs> um, All right. So the next song, I think Flying Whales is the next one. I'm not sure where side A ends and side B begins. I'm, my feeling is that Heaviest Matter finishes side A and Flying Whales begins side B. But I, I'd have to check that. So if you're listening to it on, on, on CD you're going to hear where that's sort of that slowdown from heaviest matter um, nicely comes in with kind of the, the way that flying whale starts. I think that the way that those two tracks were sort of put together works well, but in that, I think the same thing that side a, that that's kind of just sort of a nice lull to the end of the album. You flip it over because I love the intro to flying whales. And I think, feature side b to have that be the feature at side b would be great like the, the bass the, the way again that the bass is working with this the way that the drums come in and and accentuate the bass um the way that it all just sort of then opens up and and gives way to the song 
that opening riff, which sort of serves as this motif that comes back in different forms. Like it sounds like it's the same riff, but it's being played with just sort of different effects. Um, yeah. Maybe even at different points on the neck, but, but that opening riff just sort of continues throughout. Yeah. And, and I wondered at first, I think while I was listening to this, it, it felt like it could have been like, this could have been track seven and eight, like track seven could have been an instrumental and then eight could have kicked in. But it, it, cause I think it's the longest song on the album at like seven minutes, but, um, but it, but it all, it, it, it all works together. And I, I get why they didn't make it another instrumental and just made it all this one big song. Hmm. Yeah, so to me, this is the centerpiece of the album because they have led up to this. They sort of foreshadowed this song two or three times previously. You're right about the bass. I love the bass on this, and I love the bass throughout this album. Mm. I feel like the bass is much more prominent, and I feel like we now have a very tight rhythm section, whereas previously perhaps we just had a drummer and... The rest of the band was trying to keep up. Now I feel like the drummer and the bass player are, are working as a team very, very much. Agreed. I love that central riff, that big riff. It's lopsided, so it's, I guess, typical Gojira. You know, it's never quite that straight 4-4. Four, four. Uh, the first half of the riff is shorter than the second half, and it can trip you up because if you're trying to sing along to it, they, they put in an extra... Um, an extra little bit in the in, in the second half of that that riff, just to keep you on your toes. Mm. This is also, I think, the song lyrically where it's the first mention of Earth. This is the first mention where it's like, okay, that Earth is sort of the the maligned planet. Microsoft have recently released a flight simulator where they basically recreated the entire planet, and you can jump in a in a plane and fly anywhere on, on in the world, which is pretty amazing. But I believe that if you fly over Bayonne, which is the hometown of this band, then you might uh, occasionally get a glimpse of a whale flying through the sky. <laughs> just as a little Easter egg in there, just, just a nice tribute to the band. There's obviously a Gojira fan in the programming team or somewhere. That would be that would be great. You'll have to get your hands on that and let us know. You've got your you're using Microsoft, aren't you? So you can yeah, yeah. you can report back on that. Yeah, maybe they put uh, one near Douglas Adams' hometown as well. <laughs> or a bowl of petunias, one or the other. But, yeah, incredible song, incredible. It does have that technical section, but it, they're a little bit more restrained. when They do get technical at times, but I feel like they're, they are just able to, you know, hold it back a little bit so that it doesn't just become overwhelming and it fits in with the rest of the song, and then they return to that that central theme. So great songwriting, a real wow song, and, and they played a lot live, of course. And then, you know, it, it builds, and, and the climax of the song, you know, where he just yells, fly, you know, it's such a mm. great finish. Brilliant song, brilliant. So well done, Gojira, this is great. This one was in my, this is, this is one of those that kept creeping up into my, my top two. The next song is called In the Wilderness, which arguably is the deepest cut on the album. Would you agree with that? I, I would agree with this. It, it even goes back to, didn't we talk about how prior to the first album, the singer had lived in the woods yeah. and it's become one with 
the trees or something. I don't know. Anyway, this song sort of, it, it, it feels like it harkens back pretty specifically to that time. Yeah. Yeah, I felt like this could have been at home on the link. Mm-hmm. It felt closer to something from the link than uh, from Master Series. It's very heavy. That double bass is pretty constant. That double bass kick drum is pretty constant throughout this song. It's still killer. Like it's, you know, it's very hard to pick the best song on the album, but it's also hard to pick the worst. Like there's, <laughs> it's just no weak songs on this album. And at first I thought maybe this was it, but mm-hmm. on repeated listens, this really grew on me, especially that last three minutes. It, beca- it does change. It becomes very different. It's very different the last three minutes. Very uplifting. A superb finish. There's some strong bass throughout and a cool, some cool vocal effects towards the end. The sound of, the, you know, it changes when there's a repeated verse and there's a sort of howling wind, the sound of howling wind, and it says planet Earth will overcome. So, again, touching on the themes of the album and the idea that Earth will endure. Human beings might be doing some pretty bad things to the Earth, but... The planet itself will overcome. This this song also has a chorus. I mean, that's if we think about it, they don't. Gojira doesn't do much with choruses. They don't do choruses. They don't do guitar solos. Right, and this one we have. We we do have a chorus. Good song. Yeah, really strong finish. Yes, uh, which leads us to World to Come, I, another one that would creep up into my top two. Yeah. The southern twang for the first time. I, I love that that sort of the, just that clean sound on the opening guitar. Yeah. You know what this reminded me of? Well, you, you probably don't. You, you can try and guess, but it reminded me of Metallica's Load album, and oh. specifically the song Ronnie. Um, now, this band are fans of Metallica, and Metallica are fans of this band. In fact, they covered... On the Japanese release of this album, they covered Escape from Ride the Lightning, which is probably one of the most despised Metallica songs from their first four albums anyway, but they they covered it and they did it very well. Um, But, yeah, I thought this really reminded me of of Load and 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 perhaps there's a bit of an influence there, you know, Uh, but I really like that that southern sound. It's a very – it sounds very different to the rest of the album, this song. It does, but I think I feel like there are a handful of songs on this album that sound very different from the rest of the album. Like I, right. I, I feel like there, it's a lot of those pieces that sort of that sort of fit together. Yeah. Um, I, I agree with you completely. Uh, and then this song is is sort of that idea that this is where the hope, that aspect of hope. In, in, in the thread of the story starts to starts to come through lyrically that this idea that everything is going to kind of maybe pull together and and, and be okay yeah and, I know the world will overcome its pain similar uh, sentiments to the previous song right right which then I guess moves us into from Mars. before we move on the, the other band that I called to mind when I heard this was Mastodon because they also have a little bit of that southern twang at times in, in some of their songs. 
arguably Mastodon are Gojira's most comparable peers. Mm-hmm. They toured together, obviously, because I went and saw that that lineup, that gig. I think they're better than Mastodon, and maybe I'm a little jaded with Mastodon because I recently listened to the Your Favourite Band Sucks podcast, Mastodon Edition. Maybe that coloured my view a little bit. From what I've seen, Gojira are a better live band, and I actually, as an experiment, listened to Mastodon after I listened to this album. I put on Crack the Sky, which is one of the high points of Mastodon's career, and I just mm-hmm. found it a little... It paled, it paled a little in comparison, you know. It's not a competition, as I keep telling my son about just about everything he, uh, in life, but I think, in hindsight, I, I prefer Gojira to Mastodon. I, th- I think they're a better pair. They're, they're, they're saying more interesting things, and I think the music the music is heavier and, and more stirring, I think, than, than Mastodon. And I think they're better live, from what I've seen. I'm curious to see where we've, because I believe we we have three more Gojira albums and then maybe hints of a new one. I don't know. I might be making that up. It might be a rumor I'm starting right here. Um, I'm curious because what you said about Mastodon was sort of that, that there is, I mean, they're from, they're from the South, right? They're from Georgia, I think, Mastodon. Yeah. And so yeah. they have, there, there is that, they do, there is that sort of underlying kind of Southern, Southern feel that's that's in the music and with i think i enjoy mastodon better maybe than the first two gojira albums but i i can't think of i'm struggling to think of much of anything that holds up to this album yeah and so i uh i i, completely, I completely agree with you where mm. th- this album this album i feel like gojira at their best if that's what this is is better than Mastodon at their best. To me, what separates the two is authenticity. And that's what everyone looks for in their art, right? You want something that's authentic. And, you know, when I see Mastodon interviewed, you know, what, what was your first album? I, I, I saw something on YouTube. They were asking him. And you could see, them, see Mastodon thinking, oh, what, what can I say here that sounds cool? Hmm. And the tattoos and the image, I, I just feel like Gojira speak from the heart, I think. I feel like this is them and they're not doing this, uh, you know, it's not an image thing for them. This is their their genuine attempt to contribute to the world and, and to make the world a better place through their music, whereas Mastodon, I think, were kind of... They just wanted to look cool and, and sell some records. I, I, in hindsight, maybe I'm being a little harsh, but Gojira to me, like, they they speak they speak more directly to to me. <laughs> oh, fair enough. Fair enough. I, 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 I don't want that. I don't want it to be a bag mastodon. It's more just a a praise Gojira thing. I mean, this band has really touched me emotionally and uh, we'll get into that a little more towards the end of it but um they're a powerful band this one Hmm. so moving into from mars which will feed straight into too serious as as i suppose it should this one again things kind of were, were quiet quieter 
and, and, and sort of lyrically again it's it's this call to action this is sort of when you were talking about i think they more directly here reference this idea that you um well here you go it says uh but why do you say that you are lost if you don't even try to find yourself right and this idea that of you, you kind of need to find it within you that the change that you're be the change you want to see or whatever that saying is mm-hmm. um i looked myself straight in my eyes and i saw that i had to move to higher places and so I think this really, really captures that. Yeah, no, I mean, this is a pair with the next song from Mars and to Sirius. Nice atmospheric build up to, I guess, the focus of the second half of the album, which is the next song to Sirius. Before we move into that, I do have a quick quote that uh, Joe Duplantier in an interview where he said, uh, in some cultures, Mars symbolizes war and Sirius symbolizes peace. Um, yeah. And then he says, I'm simplifying here, but this this is a journey of, a journey of a state of war, even if in France we are preserved, but it can be a war within us, in our flesh, in our mind, a war within ourselves. So let's get into To Sirius, the only song on this album with a film clip, I think. Have you seen it? Yes. Yeah. I did. I, I, it's, it's um, let me find, it's disturbing. It is. It's very David Lynchian. Yes. I, I thought, like a race ahead, black and white and very claustrophobic. Uh-huh. It was the guy uh, sort of stuck in a room and he sort of turns into a pigeon and there's some religious imagery and yeah, I, I don't know. So uh I I, I love the feed from, from Mars is serious. I like how this feeds from one and one into the other. I I the the guitar swells that happen between the verses, right? There are those Yeah, the, I love those. And it and it almost seems it I it's probably intentional, right? He, I mean he's probably giving himself room to not like it's probably all constructed so he's not singing over one thing or playing over one thing like i feel like it's all very intentional if, if we take into consideration that it's it's probably the same guy doing both things yeah. um and and lyrically i think our our hero won like i think we have success in this song yeah. well he gets to serious right i to Sirius C specifically. Yeah, well, I... Which I have a problem with because there's no such star as Sirius C. Sirius is a binary star. Am I being a, a, too nerdy and you know, picking... <laughs> <laughs> At one point, they thought there might be a third uh, star there, but no, it's, been, it's since been proven that there's only two. Wait, Sirius wait, A and Sirius B. Was that proven before or after 2006? <laughs> before i think <laughs> see the show notes for links <laughs> yeah maybe he didn't want to offend the people of the good people of series a and b so he he went yeah. ahead and hedged his bets and <laughs> made up series c yeah. i'm surprised i haven't had any serious puns in this yet in this podcast yet i, I do them all the time because i've told i've told my son about the st- you know, the brightest star, that's serious. And so whenever he points to a star, he says, is that serious, Dad? And I say, yeah, well, it's very serious. He'll, he'll laugh one day. <laughs> Dad jokes kill no matter what it is. Even when you, the, the audience doesn't get them. Can we move into global warming? Well, yeah, I mean, so do you agree that this is the focus of the second half of the album, though, to serious? 
Yeah, no, I absolutely do. And I feel like this is where, so I guess this is why I was going to go into global warming because I, I feel like the, I feel like the story ends here. Yeah, me too. And I thought at the end of this song, I thought, well, that's it. The album's over and whatever is after this is going to be some sort of maybe like a instrumental you know, instrumental or just some sort of tractor thrown on at the end just to fill out a, a few minutes or something. I thought that's it. The album, you know, that ends the album for me. Right. And, and, and that was exactly what I felt about this song. Um, he, yeah. he even says, I, I found my way home. And then it, it's almost like, I don't know, like the, the, you've just watched a documentary and, and then they come on and, and give you a brief feature on, you know, what's happened since or just some sort of additional feature note that you need to, to kind of help fill in the information. And it almost feels like that's what global warming is. And, mm -hmm. and global warming comes back, it comes back to this idea that where, where he's clearly, he, he's not talking about this, this fictional world anymore. He's talking about earth and he's talking about the current state of it. And there's that, it ends with that plea of, well, not a plea, I guess a declaration of, uh, we will see our children growing. And, and I feel like this is one through 11 is a story, but 12 is very much here and now. I'll put a link to the studio, the live studio version of this. You've watched it a few times yourself. Mm. Great to see the band working together in the studio. And they talk about it in the notes of that YouTube clip that this song really means a lot to them. They've never really, I don't think they've ever performed this live. It's almost like it's too special to them to play it live. Plus it's, I mean, it would be damn hard to play that. No, we're used to the, the drummer getting a, a physical workout. This one is just constant uh, finger work for the guitarist. I can't, the, like I'm watching as I'm watching um, Joe, Joe Duplantier, as he's playing and singing, and it, I, I want to see more. I want to see more studio. I, I went and I was looking. I'm like, there has to be more. This can't be the only, the only cut from the studio performance. And it, it was. That's the only one they filmed at that point. But just to even watch as he's playing and singing at the same time, it was just like, I don't know. Yeah. I was, yeah. Yeah. And again, the bass, who's been so strong throughout the album, you know, he lays the foundation of this song. It's a very emotional song for the band. For any, for those of us who uh, are worried about the direction of the planet, and it's not solely the those of those who have children that worry, but those of us that do, obviously, there's an extra layer of concern about. You know, we had a daughter this year who will be 80 in the year 2100. What's the world going to be like then? I mean, yeah, it's a, it, it is a very emotional song for the band and you can see that in, in, the, in the studio version. So, and you can hear in the lyrics, I hold my inner child within and, and tell him not to cry. Don't fear the living. One day you will stand as a king. I mean, but again, it's that, well, what are you going to do about it? And... And the lyrics are here. As a warrior, I have to fight. So you have to straighten your backbone, as they said in track two, and, and do something about it, which is why I, I admire this album and this band so much. There's uh, not just a list of problems and there's not just a, well, what are you going to do, you know, get angry. 
do something about it, uh, fight it. Um, so, yeah, a really brilliant finish. <laughs> what I thought was going to be an afterthought, I think ended up being the best song on the album. It's, yeah, I mean, this is absolutely hands down my favourite song on the album. It's my, my favourite song by the band. It's, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. It was yeah. Uh, Brilliant. Brilliant that, song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there was, it never, um, and it, very uplifting at the end. Uh, there was never, that never fell out of, as my as my number two spot kept shuffling, uh, that yeah. one never did. Yeah. Well, I think this also clarified for me the concept behind, if this is a concept album, this sort of makes it clear. I don't think this album is about a journey from Mars to some other star system. I don't even think... Really, it's about the demise of the Earth. I mean, people, you know, you read about it and, and they say that's what this is, but I think if you say, it's like saying Moby Dick is a book about a whale. Mm. What do you do if you, you're an English teacher? If, if, you get an, if you get an essay and a student says, Moby Dick's about a whale, what do you say? <laughs> I'm not saying paying attention to a damn thing we've been talking about in class. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you look deeper. I mean... Mastodon would probably say Moby Dick's about a whale. In fact, I think they did on, on Leviathan, which is another criticism of the band. I should never have listened to your favourite band. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I don't think this album is about flying whales. I don't think it's about a journey through space. I think it's about, yes, the world is in trouble, but you, listener, have to find the strength within yourself to deal with that. And, and this song, I think, captures that. that. The final song in the album is, in case you hadn't got it, well, let me just kick it home for you. Right, right. Let's just leave that last song. The production is great on this album. The bass is very prominent, surprisingly. The kick drum really is is like ribcage rattling. I think they've got the balance just perfect. It's a beautifully produced album. Yeah, it's it, it's heavy, but it's. I mean, this is art. This is this is an artistic album, and it and they've managed to. You know, like the, the wild horse that we mentioned earlier, you know, they've managed to put the reins on it and just sort of bring it to heel a little bit and create a very refined but still very technical and very heavy album, but, uh, you know, also a, a, a beautiful work of art that I think really is a, is a modern metal masterpiece, let's, let's just say it. And, and you see on that, that video that you were just referring to that are in the episode show notes, um, every one of these, these boys are working. Like they are, every one of them is working hard to make this song sound like it does, and and you've got to imagine that that's that's just that's the studio for them. Like that they're just they're working for this. Yeah. This isn't yeah. this isn't something they're lazing into. No, it's uh, it's authenticity, as I said before. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, so, well that bring, brings us to what for many listeners is the highlight of the show: the band Brownlow, where we uh, talk about the top three performers on the album in order and uh perhaps you can lead us off I can't yeah who did like. yeah you want to lead us off was it mario it's always going to be mario isn't it, no, it see, mario? Here's, here's the thing i was hoping you would i'm i'm inten to lead us off. i'm intentionally trying to rig the game here uh so i'll go ahead and lead us off uh yeah. and, and explain my thinking as as i do it no mario doesn't take the top spot on this one 
I, I think he should. He's 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 again. He, he, he continues to do amazing things, but I'm gonna I'm gonna have to give this one to to Joe because I, I feel like he he this this whole thing like the just the 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 cover the story the I feel like he this whole thing was crafted by him start to finish, right? So he's getting my my top spot, my three points. Now here's the problem. I feel like I have I have to give Mario the two, but you don't have to. You don't have to do anything. I really do. I I need to start seeing our boy uh, Jean Michel Labadie kind of kind of come up here a little bit. I think he's lagging way further than he needs to be. I think that this album he he did help with the mixing of this album. So let's let's oh, at least yeah. let's at least acknowledge that he had a hand in bringing his bass volume up, but. Yeah. I, I think I'm gonna give I'm giving him I'm gonna give the two I'm giving the two points to to, to Jean Michel because I I just I feel like the the bass is really holding it down on this album it's it's there at the forefront and and it, it's just uh, as I'm listening I'm like hey, come on Jean Michel get in there get in there I was cheering him on the whole damn time so uh, <laughs> Mario is holding it down doing amazing things he's been doing amazing things he, he the, the drumming on this album is absolutely mind-blowing and I feel like it's probably a bit of a crime to give him my one point but yeah. but there you have it it's this is this is this is an emotional vote so I feel like this is a contrarian play from you you you're just you're just being contrarian for the fun of it uh, having said that I'm going to give three to who do you want? Labadi. Let's give it to him. I'm going to give three to him. I feel like he has become the most, not the most important, but I think his bass playing really drives. There's probably three or four songs on this on this album where you say, "Yeah, well, clearly that's his bass playing that the rest of the band is forming around." He's he is prominent in the mix, as you said, but I'm. Not quite willing to give Mario the three simply because I just feel like I'm getting drowned in double kick at times. I feel like it's almost to the point now where it's overdone. I'm happy to give Mario two, but there are songs in this where it's double kick start to finish. Hmm. I feel like it's almost too much of a good thing. Hopefully they dial it back a little bit. I mean... Incredible stamina, and, and you see him live, and you think, man, that's just, just the the physical, you know, forgetting about how it sounds, just to be able to do that for five, six, seven, eight minutes is incredible. But I feel like it kind of loses, it loses its impact a little bit just because it is so overdone. Um, so, yeah, bass player uh, Jean-Michel, three. Mario is going to get my two, just just on, you know, that overdone factor just knocks a point off. And Joe gets the one. I feel like the rhythm guitarist is now the one missing out. And perhaps if I could separate the the, the two guitarists a bit more, I, I'd be able to say, oh, that's him. And, oh, wow, that's good. Yeah, I just, there are times when, you know, the guitar section just is, is kind of one thing to me. So I can't give him votes. But, yeah, really love the bass in this album album throughout and it's worth listening because always the first thing you hear with this band is the drums but it's worth after 
three, four, five listens, really just focus in on the base. He's doing some amazing things. Mm. See, I like how I like how this uh, how this played out because uh, Jean Michel, he, he for for this album, he's our he's our Brownlow winner. Ah, congratulations! With, with five points, he'll be thrilled. <laughs> he uh, it does. Uh, they never show up for the presentation of these things. Maybe, <laughs> maybe someday, someday they'll show up. We can give them their award. I was really hoping for a contrarian, you know, speaking of contrarian plays, I was really hoping to play the contrarian with this album, especially when I saw the whale Douglas Adams thing. I thought, oh, there's overwhelmingly positive critical acclaim for this album. I thought, oh, maybe I can be the contrarian that says, no, the link's better. But in the end, no, I couldn't. I mean, this is clearly just a brilliant album. The Link's still a very good album. I, I enjoyed it thoroughly, but this is on another level to that. I, I hope that, or I, I have the feeling that maybe the contrarian player might come in one of their later albums, which aren't generally as highly regarded as this one. Maybe there's an opportunity down the track for that. But, um, yeah, I can't, can't do anything but speak highly of this record. Yeah, no, I, 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 this would have been a whole, this would have been a, a wildly different episode if it had been left up to me to defend the merit of this album. You can't help but see reviews of of the band to know that this is the one that seems to be the most coveted. And so I, I am curious to see kind of how these other albums are gonna play out. Yeah, very interested. Very interested to see where they go from here. So, well, we'll find out soon because now we can listen to the next album. Which is The Way of All Flesh. Mm, very literary sounding title. It is. Well, the first song is called Ouroboros. I don't know what that means, but I'm excited to figure it out. I don't know what it means either, but they played it live, so I've heard it. <laughs> <laughs> Wait till I get that time. I'm going to get the shock of my life in, in 2012 when old me walks up and slaps me in the face. <laughs> That's going to change the, I mean, does that then automatically, like do all of these podcasts automatically reshuffle <laughs> to the version of you that got, that, that got your ass kicked by the older version of yourself and was forced to Yeah, maybe. Well, maybe they'll just disappear sort of back to the future style or just sort of fade away from your uh, podcast app. <laughs> It'll have changed your life. You'll be living on a yacht somewhere. And... <laughs> anyway, um, well, we'll see where they go. I'm thoroughly looking forward to it. I have enjoyed this one, though. I, I could easily spend another month on this, but let's not. Let's move on. Let's continue. And stick with us, listener, because, I mean, this was a classic. You, you may have heard this before. Hopefully you enjoyed revisiting it with us if you have heard this one before. If not, then, you know, I hope you enjoyed this as much as we did with fresh ears and um, waiting in anticipation now to move on to the next one. So come with us. Stick with us on this journey. It's, uh, it's a fun one. And this is a really big band and a, and a powerful and, and authentic band, as I mentioned, to, to go on that journey with. 
I think it's the 15th anniversary, actually, of this album. Now that I think of it, and there's some been uh, there's been some recently released merchandise too to celebrate that fact. So oh. Check our Twitter feed for that. At Unshuffled Pod is our Twitter feed. Well, we also have a website, unshufflepod.com. We have an email address, unshufflepod at gmail. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, we've got to say thank you, Small, Small Stone, uh, the, the label to thank for our opening and closing track. The band is Seven Planets. The album is Explorer and the track is Vanguard. And it's a cracking album and it's available in many formats, including vinyl, which I believe you have, Scott. I do. Well, thanks, listener, for sticking with us. And um, thanks, Small Stone, Seven Planets. Uh, show notes are always posted soon after the podcast, so you can go and check out uh, the ex- the non-existence of Sirius C, the irregularity of Mars's moons, the live footage of you know from various concerts and the studio footage of global warming. So all of that will be linked to in the show notes if you can't Google it yourself. So check out the website for that. Thank you, Scott. Been a pleasure as always. Thank you, Matt. It's been great seeing you again. Thank you, listeners, and let's hope the next album is somewhere near as good as this. Great. Absolute classic. Great, great, great. All right. Thank you. Ciao.